You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Basically what it would do is instead of, because right now what's happening is the program I run captures whatever I would normally hear from Skype on your end. So instead of what that, what that would have done is it would have, basically it would have recorded my sound as one file. It recorded your microphone on your iPad as a second file and then combined them together and sent me the the combined file. And that's what then I, I could do. So instead of having kind of that slight internet degradation on your voice, it uh-huh. would be just like you were sitting here next to me talking into a microphone. Oh, okay. Or, or at least in theory, that's how it's supposed to work. Um, again, I haven't ever actually had a second device, which was, I could test it out on, but apparently that's how it works. I'm like, oh, that would have made it sound better. Aww. But then we wouldn't have been suboptimal, so... Right out of common. Did uh, did you get that tweet uh, that tweet that I tagged you in? Yeah. It's so Brazil. (laughs) You you like the uh, the preview for tonight's Foreign Affair podcast. It's so Brazil. (laughs) This is just how it's going to end up. Oh, God. It is that suboptimal. Oh, that's that's how every a foreign affair podcast is, and the tonight's will be no different. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one hundred and three of the Foreign Affair podcast. Back to being two people, and not just myself, Edward Green, rambling on for an hour. I am joined once again by McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw. Wes, it is great to have you back on the pod. Well, time for ratings to once again take a spike. Yes. Which direction? Hello, Mother Russia. We'll leave it up to you. Uh, plenty to talk about today. Uh, we have a lot of Premier League to recap. In fact, about basically a week and a half's worth. Uh, we will talk Champions League draw. Since last we, uh, or I spoke to you guys, I guess, uh, the Champions League draw occurred. We will be talking about that as well as the Europa League draw. And uh, we will also be able to go over the second leg of the Europa League quarterfinals that took place last Thursday. We also give you a quick FA Cup preview on this weekend for the semifinals at good old Wembley. Uh, we'll have uh, some few news and notes, and our other big story of the day keeps us in the soccer world. And finally, we will end with Watch For and the glorious return of So raw Wes no more you do uh but no more time to dilly dally we have so many matches to talk about so let's just dive right in uh we start on your weekend uh Saturday it got off kicking Sunderland 
three, Norwich nil, Tottenham, Liverpool, they're dominating matches right now, and it was two former Tottenham and Liverpool men who opened the account for Sunderland, Fabio Barini, he scored the opener on a penalty, and then Jermaine <laughs> Defoe took a Borini cross for the second. Sunderland would add a third late on uh, and gets them just one point back of Norwich in their relegation fight. Uh, elsewhere, at the 10 o'clock hour, it was Everton 1, Southampton 1, Funes More. We might be talking about him later in the broadcast. He was uh, the goal scorer for Everton on the day, but Sadio Mane uh, registered his 10th Premier League goal of the season in the 81st minute to bring Southampton back level and rescue a point at Goodison Park. Uh, at Old Trafford, it was Manchester United 1, Aston Villa 0. Villa have officially now fallen out of the league. And this is the first time they have done so since 1987. A lot of controversy going on about how the players are dealing with that. Uh, but on the day, it was uh, Marcus Rashford, the goal scorer for United, his first in the Premier League since the Manchester Derby when he had the winner. Uh, Newcastle 3, Swansea nil. A big, big win for the Geordies as they snag all three points for what had been a lively Swans team, uh, but they get a very strong performance uh, that would propel them to their midweek result as well. Uh, West Brom nil, Watford won. Watford gets the goal they need. Uh, West Brom, though, had two chances to equalize and even really take the lead, uh, but Saito Berahino missed two penalties, or rather accurately, two saved by Jorelio Gomez uh, to give Watford the three points. Uh, they are one have been one of the worst teams as far as collecting points since the turn of the year, uh, something we may mention later in News and Notes. Finally, on Saturday, it was Chelsea nil, Manchester City 3. City get back to winning ways as Kun Aguero gets his fifth Premier League hat-trick. But I will say that Kevin De Bruyne was easily the best player on the pitch for City. And they have looked a much brighter side since he has returned from injury. Ginger power. On Sunday, it was Bournemouth 1, Liverpool 2. Pair of goals for Liverpool sees them go through relatively unscathed into the match. It was only a late strike by Bournemouth that got them the goal. Sturridge and Firmino, the goal scorers for Liverpool. Josh King in the 93rd minute saved a bit of Bournemouth's blushes on the day. Uh, but they get the big win on the road. Leicester 2, West Ham 2. Leicester had a 1-0 lead thanks to Jamie Vardy, but also thanks to Jamie Vardy, they went down to 10 men as he picked up a second yellow for a simulation. And then uh, just a few minutes apart, West Ham got a Mark Noble penalty and I, I believe a Andy Carroll uh, strike in the box to uh, get a 2-1 lead. Leicester got... Maybe a soft penalty called at the end to uh, to pull back level at two and save a point um, in, in their bid to get a Premier League title. Finally, on Sunday, it was Arsenal 1, Crystal Palace 1. Speaking of dropping points late, Arsenal got their goal through Alexis Sanchez and looked much the brighter side. Had multiple chances for a second but could not convert and were burned in the uh, final 10 minutes by Yannick Balazzi for it and uh, Pardew's men save a point at the Emirates and on Monday it was Stoke nil Tottenham four or should we say 
Stoke nil, Harry Kane 2, Deli Ali 2, post 1. Uh, Tottenham really could have had about 8 goals in the match if not for the post. Uh, Erickson had one go off the crossbar. Ali missed an open net and putting it <laughs> off one of the uh, the upright and bars. do not undersell that. Ali had one of the greatest misses in history. <sighs> At least he hit goal. I've seen people miss totally, completely. We can, we can totally laugh about it because he scored a brace and you won 4-0. Exactly. Pochettino's, we'll get, I was going to get this later. Pochettino's reaction is great, though. We're up 2-0. He knows we can bury the game at 3-0. This miss happens. Ali collapses to the floor. Pochettino then collapses to the floor and is pissed like we're down 2-0. But I love it. He's great, and I love him. Um, but we'll talk it, about- it was kind of like at the end of the Liverpool match today. Liverpool up 4-0, and uh, Lucas Leva, of all people, tries to burn from about 30 yards out and just shoots it about halfway up into the stands and uh, Leva, who has not scored, he scored one Premier League goal, and it was in 2010. Um, had uh, Jurgen Klopp about to fall out of his seat over on the bench in about the 91st minute. So, uh, mm. good, good to see our managers with their senses of humor. Yeah, uh, he, he needed it after a little bit of that match. Uh, Tuesday, it was Newcastle one, Manchester City one. It was again the goal scorer Aguero for uh, Manchester City, his 100th. Premier League goal, but the citizens capitulated. Vernon Anita with a tremendous goal for Newcastle, one that could be absolutely vital in their bid to stay up in the Premier League. Um, Rafa Benitez may finally be imposing a little bit of his beliefs on the club. And finally, today, Wednesday, when we're recording this, we had told you guys there's a lot of Premier League action. We got a lot to catch up on. West Ham 3, Watford 1. Uh, Troy Deeney missed a penalty, but really that wouldn't have brought Watford any more back. Andy Carroll with the opening goal for West Ham in that one. As Wes mentioned, Liverpool 4, Everton 0 in Merseyside Derby. Uh, Liverpool just running rampant over what would become a 10-man Everton because that man, Funes Mori, got sent off after a straight red. And finally, Manchester United to Crystal Palace, nil. Uh, Manchester United getting a own goal from Danny and Delaney to help them out. And then finally, Matteo Darmian, who was not very good when he played Tottenham, but apparently Tottenham just a little better than Crystal Palace. Darmian with the goal. Um, the only the only thing us United haters, I guess, can take from that match is Depay had a one-on-one and Depay was denied. And that's really all we can take from that because if there's... That's kind of the, that's kind of the, um, the narrative of this season. Depay denied. Yes. Oh, and I love it because we he wanted to be called Memphis, but not if you don't score goals. Um, so, Wes, that's that's been the uh, the Barclays Premier League weekend. Um, so two two big wins for Liverpool, one big win for Tottenham. Uh, take us through it uh, first through the Bournemouth game, and then uh, a little bit in the Merseyside Derby, which was never never really in doubt from what I watched today. <laughs> no, I listened to the whole thing. I'm watching it right now. That is tonight's playback um, as we're doing the podcast. <clears throat> um, all right, to start off, Bournemouth. Uh, Sunday um, at the home of the Cherries. Uh, oh, the Cherries. We love the Cherries. But, we do. Uh, 
you know, when, when the mighty pool had to roll into town, the cherries had to take a back seat for me. Um, I, I'm gathering we're gonna we are gonna talk a little Europa a little later in the yeah. show. Okay. Um, well, coming off of the, uh, I guess the uh, the miracle in Anfield yeah. <laughs> uh, from Thursday night, uh, Jurgen Klopp made a, made ten changes to the squad that um, went through in Europa against Dortmund. Um, the only starter staying that match was uh, Roberto Firmino. Um, also handing a handing a, a full senior debut. To um, you know, what could potentially be the future Wales number one goalkeeper mm. uh, could also be your future Liverpool number one Danny Ward, a uh, guy who for the first half of the season was on loan at Aberdeen, and a lot of people, a lot of pundits felt he was the best goalkeeper in the Scottish Premier League this season up to that point. So uh, he gets his um, Liverpool debut, gets a full debut in the Premier League uh, on the road. So. Uh, Young man, and you know what, what could be perceived a pretty tough situation, but luckily for him, uh, his team gave him just fantastic support on the day. Um, Klopp, uh, when you saw the team sheet, you saw the names of a lot of guys who we had seen back during the uh, the League Cup, the FA Cup, uh, back during the injury crisis, the injury crisis of the of the bleak winter. Is, yes. Is what we call it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, you saw the likes of uh, Kevin Stewart. Um, you know, uh, Brad Smith, Cameron Brannigan, Shea Ojo getting his uh, full Premier League debut. Um, <clears throat> you know, Jordan Ibe was back in the side after not playing a lot recently. Uh, up top, Daniel Sturge did get the start uh, after coming off the uh, the bench against Dortmund. Um, of course, Firmino back in there. Uh, Liverpool played extremely well. Um, maybe a little unlucky to only score two goals on the day. Um, but, you know, once Liverpool got that opening goal, you never really – it never really felt in doubt for Liverpool. Then they had the second goal. And, you know, at 2-0, that game felt like it was completely put away. You know, Liverpool dominated on the day. Uh, Bournemouth pulled one back in stoppage time. Um but, I mean, even then it was more like, ah, you know, so, sucked for Danny Ward to not get the clean sheet. Um, but he actually, you know, Klopp praised Danny Ward, said he played brilliantly. I mean, he played a really good game, you know, especially for a kid, you know, in his – I mean, I say a kid, I, I believe Danny Ward's 20 years old. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, not um, No, you know, came in, had a really nice game and goal. Um, 22, by the he, way. Yeah, what was that? 22, by the way. Sorry. 22. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, uh, 22 for a goalkeeper is literally like being 18 and being a midfielder. So. Yeah, because like Tim Howard's 73, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, played a good game. Um, defensively, it was a central defensive partnership of Colo uh, Torre and Lucas Leva. Mm. Um, interesting, you know, Martin Skirtle not, not getting in the squad. Uh, even though, to his credit, Skirtle, um, a week ago against, crap, uh, Sunderland. Was it Sunderland? Mm. Yeah, we beat Sunderland. Um, actually played that match and played a pretty good match. Um, but Leva getting the start back there, that could be something we see in the future. Um, Liverpool played very well. They were very organized at the back. Played very solid um, with two young uh, fullbacks. Um 
zero complaints from this guy, zero complaints from Jurgen Klopp. Uh, got a big three points. And um, right now, it just seems like every match Liverpool plays, they have, they are they're a squad right now. They're really locked in. Um, everybody is playing with that swagger that you always look for that, you know, everybody wants to play with Liverpool are doing it right now. And, uh, you know, some of those, you know, we always look back at some of those earlier season results, you know, um, the one right now that really sticks out to me is the capitulation of the two nil lead against, uh, Southampton. Yeah. If we had, able to hold on and get three points. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going back and playing that game hard right now, but, uh, you know, it's just, it would look a whole hell of a lot cooler if Liverpool with a game in hand were only, uh, you know, three points out of a Champions League spot. Um, but, uh, but, you know, Liverpool, uh, they, they're hitting the ground and they're hitting it running at the right time. Um, just kind of hoping that maybe this injury bug isn't deciding to creep back in. Uh, in the last week, we're now down, uh, you know, two. Well, and, and in this match, losing Emery Chan for mm-hmm. four to six weeks, basically for the rest of the rest of the season, there's an outside chance he might make it back if we get to the Europa final. Um, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly be putting money on that. Yeah, we uh, mentioned that. Yeah, the... mentioned that last week on the uh, the pod. And of course, you know, he's going to miss the Euros now. That really sucks for him yeah um obviously we'll talk a little more about the everton match a little later but uh origi picking up a an injury today um at this point from what we've heard uh they have confirmed no broken bone which that's that's really good um but it was an absolute horrific tackle like we said we'll talk about a little later no uh, i i think that's uh that's a that's a really good segue segue actually into the yeah, because I I saw that and um, wow, that was horrendous. It was, and um, I mean, it was a real. It wasn't one of those, you know. I got caught up in the game. No, that 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 had a lot of fucking intent to it. Yeah. And um, Munas Fiora, however the hell you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, right now he's called Public Enemy Number One on the red side of Mersey. I don't doubt um, that. I would, I would not, I would not be surprised to see him get some sort of a extra discipline coming from the FA, mm-hmm. because that was a horrific stamp on Divac Origi today. And I'm gonna say, you know, I know this isn't really the concern of the FA at this, but uh, you know, the way Origi's been playing, he's been a huge, huge part for this Liverpool squad in the last four to five weeks, especially in the Europa League. Um, you know, this could this could definitely end up costing Liverpool down the line. Oh, absolutely! I think you know, as, as good as he has been doing, I think I, I believe uh, I heard during the broadcast that his goal to, uh, today was his fifth in as many matches. Uh, so he was a very informed striker. Was a good way to, uh, to sort of give Daniel Sturge some time to not have to play every match and, and risk him getting injured again. So I, I think this is. This to me is as big, if not bigger, a blow than losing either Henderson or Chan. Um, I think uh, I think it's right there with losing Chan. Henderson, you know, Henderson had the long-term injury early in the season. Um, Jordan Henderson has not been the Jordan Henderson of old this year. But losing Henderson, while you know psychologically it was a blow, I don't think at the end of the day that was going to be the big one. Losing Chan. 
that really hurts because you want to talk about the guy who had become the engine for Liverpool over the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. Emery Chan was in amazing form. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal form as a as that box to box midfielder. He had been fantastic. Um, and now you know you turn around and you lose a Rigi who. You know, the great thing about Origi is, you know, here in the United States, when it comes to football, you know, everybody wants that backfield. They want their two running backs. They want thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, want the they want the battering ram, and then they want the quick guy who can make you pay in the open field. That's kind of what Origi and Sturridge were. Origi is this young, strong-built kind of battering ram, you know, absolutely electric pace you know just this fantastic athletic young striker who goes right at your ass and you know just can burn you so bad and then you've got Sturridge who Sturridge may have lost a little bit of his pace uh, due to those injuries but Sturridge is just like this clinical technical can do anything in the world with the ball at his feet kind of guy and, you know, it was it, it's really fun to bring one of those guys on in the 65th minute for the other one <laughs> because, you know, you spent your whole game either getting pounded by Origi or trying to, you know, chase the ghost that Sturridge, and then you get a direct opposite coming right in to hit you late in a, in a match. And that's worked really well for Liverpool. Um, fingers crossed, you know. Um, one report I saw was Liverpool think it's just like a, a pretty bad sprained ankle mm-hmm. in which they think with uh, with some aggressive treatment maybe three weeks. That To me, that kind of sounds like best case scenario. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Origi out for the rest of the season. I'm just really hoping it hasn't come to that. Uh, I, I think with as few matches that are left, I, I think... I, just why risk it? I I know that sounds terrible to say when you're playing for a Europa League final potentially and trying and trying to make your way up the table, but he's so well. Young. And truth be told, that's really where he's been. That's where he's really been uh, invaluable to Liverpool is in this Europa League run. I mean, he's been great over the last couple of legs. Um, he, I mean, he might have been our best player over two legs against uh, Dortmund. Mm-hmm. when you look at it. Um, and, you know, it's not like all hope is lost right now. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Liverpool, we had the we had the injury scare early in the season. Um, you know, now if you're looking at Origi maybe missing the rest of the season, Liverpool are basically down to Sturridge and putting Firmino back up front. Right. Which, now that said, those are two really good options up front don't get me wrong but um you know Firmino had really been excelling playing more his natural attacking midfielder position um he can play as a striker but losing a Rigi you really lose that physical presence in the middle of the park and um going forward I mean Villarreal is going to be a really tough test for Liverpool in Europa um and also, you know, Liverpool want to keep this form going into the offseason. You know, they're, they're playing really well right now. You want to take this into the offseason. Hopefully you get a Champions League spot out of this. If not, you know, you end up back in Europa. I think Liverpool have shown this year, you know, I, I think I think Liverpool may be disproving this, 
notion that, oh, God, nothing good comes out of Europa. I mean, to me, it's it's all about your mindset. Um, and, and, you know, Liverpool have a squad that they've got enough players to be able to cope with playing multiple competitions. And, you know, when you're playing the way they've been playing for the last few weeks, you know, it, uh, it, 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 show, it shows that, you know, it's not the end of the world because you have to play on the continent during the week. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all in how you respond to it. And, you know, when, when you're sitting there thinking, oh, God, we're in Europa, this sucks. Well, yeah, I mean, then naturally it's not going to be anything good. But, you know, when you're now sitting three matches away from a Champions League spot, hell yeah, Europa looks awesome, you know, and the chance to win some silverware. You know, suddenly it, it, it's it sounds sounds pretty uh, pretty appetizing to be there. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they balance it because I think, you know, it, it is sort of a danger. You you have just talked up Europa League and how you can do that. I think a real danger for Liverpool now is is exactly where they are in the table and exactly how many points they are back of fourth place. I don't see right now how they're going to be able to catch uh, what most likely will be Arsenal at this point, or hell, maybe even United, uh, if they if they keep improving, um, or it could be City. Who knows? Uh, right now, if Arsenal does win their match, which I believe is tomorrow, uh, it would be City in fourth place, and Liverpool would be seven behind with one match in hand. Uh, so at best, they'd be with the win, they'd be four. Four back yeah. with four to play. With four matches, yeah. Which I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I do not, I do not foresee Liverpool getting in because mm-hmm. not only that, not only would you have to have City lose, you have to have United lose. Yes. You know, um, they do have the match in hand. Let's you know, give Liverpool. Let's say Liverpool gets three points of the match in hand. That jumps West Ham to six. You still got to jump United mm-hmm. and City to get that fourth spot. No, I don't see it happening. Liverpool right now. If I'm Klopp, I'm putting all my eggs into the uh, Europa League basket. Oh, I absolutely think you do because I think, and again, yes, the Europa League has been very good to Liverpool this year, but there is a very good chance that sixth place will also be going to Europa League next year. So if I, I almost think it'd be better, you know, like you said, put throw all your eggs in the Europa League basket this year, try to win it to get to the Champions League that way, and the worst case scenario is, well, you finish seventh, and now you have an entire, well, not an entire off season because of Euros, and well, no, uh, and Copa America. But you'll have you'll get to start fresh with a new year of Klopp and allow him to go through a transfer window. Well, and I mean, um, you know, you think about the last great year at Liverpool, that 2013-14 season. Mm-hmm. That was a year Liverpool did not play in Europe. Exactly right. <clears throat> um, now that said, <laughs> you know, we say that. I think Liverpool have kind of proven here in the last few weeks. Once again, I think they have enough squad depth that they can rotate guys into into Premier League matches and still be fine. You know, I mean, when you've got you know the um, the Kevin Stewart's of the world, the uh, the Brad Smiths, the Cameron Brangans, those guys. And two, another thing, you look at Liverpool's run in, it's not you know record wise, it's not an overly difficult run in for Liverpool. Um, I mean, I could. I could totally see Liverpool running the table in these last five Premier League games they have. Um, 
And once again, I, I still don't think, even if they run the table, I don't think they're finishing fourth. But, I mean, I still think Liverpool could I, – I think right now Liverpool are your odds-on favorite to finish sixth. And if someone falters, good chance still to finish fifth. Yeah, yeah. I just – I mean, it's, it's not an overly difficult run-in. And I think they've just shown that they've got some depth and they've got some good players. Well, speaking of a team that has some good players – uh, Tottenham, they've they've sort of shown that the past a uh, little bit. Of course, uh, you weren't here for it, but we did dissect a little bit the uh, the big three nil win against United. Uh, this one going to the Britannia, where I believe Spurs have won are the team that has won there the most in the Premier League. Uh, but still a huge win. Uh, of course, earlier in the season in the reverse fixture, Tottenham led Stoke 2-0 at the break, and Stoke came back in the last 15 to salvage a point. Uh, this Tottenham team, though, I, when they are clicking, everybody has said, you know, Leicester this season plays beautiful counterattacking football, blah, 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 blah. Tottenham's last two, and potentially you could have called even their last three goals, all came on a counterattack. In fact, the third goal came mm-hmm. almost directly off a Stoke corner. So mm-hmm. when the way this team is playing right now, the way these pieces have meshed together with the return of Jan Vertonghen into this lineup, this is, I don't think it's unfair to say this is the best team in the Premier League going down the home stretch. And I, I, they put it to the a couple of the pundits when they were doing their, uh, their, their live on site reports for NBC. You know, the question was asked if Tottenham win their last four, which is not going to be easy. I, I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch. Uh, but if they win their last four, are they going to win the league? And they said yes. And I kind of am starting to agree with them now. Now that's that's a big if. Uh, they have West Brom at home. Uh, they are at Chelsea, then uh, then home for Southampton, and then at Newcastle for what could be just an insane match to end the season, given how things are going right now. But the way this Tottenham team is playing, the way as on form as Harry Kane has been, as good as Delia Lee and Christian Eriksen has been, you know, that's that's been a big story this year. Eriksen is someone who has faded late in seasons the past couple years, and right now looks as strong as he has at any other point this season. Having a first in the league back line, first in the league defense. I'm. I don't think we're gonna win the league, but damn it, this is a really good team, Wes. It is. Um, and I tell you, that stat you just threw out there. Basically, you have the best offense and the best defense yeah. in the league. Yep. If you finish second, it's just. It's gonna be a little. I, I mean, you know. I know you as a Tottenham fan, you're like, listen, we finished second, you know, that's great, don't care. I mean, when you've got the best attack and the best defense in the league and coming down the stretch, you are the best team playing the best football, if you finish second, there's going to be a little ping of, God damn it, what could have been. Yeah. But, um, I mean, right now, Tottenham are the last team that I think anybody wants to see on their schedule. Um you know, Leicester, Leicester still have the lead. They're still in control of their own destiny, obviously. Tottenham needs help. Well, they might have gotten it. you know it. what? They might have gotten it. You know, um, a, a lot, well, I'll tell you now, a lot of Liverpool fans feel that, you know, Liverpool losing the title in 13-14 
came down to Jordan Henderson being suspended for, I believe it was three of our last four matches. Mm-hmm. And in those four matches, uh, you know, that was the one we blew the three nil lead to Crystal Palace mm-hmm. without Henderson on the field. Um, and uh, God, I can't remember everything, but we blew another game that Henderson really would have helped us out on. Um, <clears throat> late season suspensions, you know, for Jamie Vardy, not only did he get a, a red card, but then he, you know, as, as, uh, as my, my mom would say, had to show his ass on the way out the door. Yep. Uh, the reports are uh, that he might, he's definitely going to miss one for the double yellow. He may miss an, uh-huh. a second for for failing to leave the pitch in a timely manner, as the FA likes to say. And he may miss a third for for being verbally abusive towards the head official, which uh, the head official in his game notes says that Vardy swore at him before. And, and if you look at the replay, it's it sounds like he or looks like he's saying, fuck you, um, which as as Josie well. Altador starred in one of my tweets, you know, he got sent off for that. So I. I think there's a very real chance that Vardy's going to get at least two games and may very well get three. My God, I mean, can you talk about a fairy tale turning into an absolute nightmare just in the drop of a hat? Um, now, you know, luckily for Lester, it, it has been shown that they're not just Jamie Vardy and the Ten Dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're still a very, very good side without Vardy. But Vardy is kind of like the poor man's Diego Costa. Yeah. And the way I say that is, you know, A, he he drives your team. He's responsible for so much of your scoring prowess. Um, but, you know, Vardy plays on that edge. Mm-hmm. You know, Vardy plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays with the fury. And, you know, for 33 games this season – He's been able to keep it all under control, and here in match 34, I mean, suddenly it just completely boils over. I mean, you know, a very deserved second yellow card mm-hmm. for the simulation. It, it was one of the more humorous simulations I've seen this year. Um, this is coming from somebody who saw Philip Coutinho get a yellow card a few matches and go for simulation. Exactly. I mean, I've seen it all. My God, Luis Suarez. I, I lived through Luis Suarez. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the greatest uh, simulator of all time. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. But, um, you know, for Vardy, he's played on that edge. And I mean, here you are. You are, you are literally a month away from the most improbable championship. I'm going to say in the history of major football. Yeah. And, you know, you're the centerpiece of it. And then suddenly you just fly off the handle. And now you're looking at not being back until potentially the last match of the season. And you've just, you've just got to be hoping, my God, I hope my teammates can get us there because I think right now the last thing Lester wants to do is to have to walk into their last match of the season against Chelsea. Yeah. Just, I say having to get a result to win the league. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, for a team who has played with no pressure on them all season, Vardy may have just put the pressure on his team. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, if they come out 
if they come out and draw Swansea this weekend without him, because he definitely will not be there for Swansea. We know that. Um, and, and that'll be Sunday. And then Tottenham on Monday goes out and beats West Brom. And all of a sudden the lead is now three. I mean, three, ma- three points with three matches to play is not that big of a lead anymore, especially when, you know, two weeks ago, between before, before Tottenham played United, the lead was 10. I mean, if it's three with three to play, I think that's as, that's as good as Tottenham could ask for. And all of a sudden, Leicester has to think, oh, my God, what 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 are we going to do? Well, and, and they could be looking at, we're not getting Vardy back for a match or two. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's uh, as, as our... As our good, as our good friend who's never met us and has no idea who we are, Roger Bennett says, "Yes, that is a uh, that's squeaky bum time." Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you. Know, you they uh, they asked they asked the pundits, "Do you believe if Tottenham win their last four matches, are they champions?" I I just I, I say no. Um. Just because I still think, even without Vardy, I think I think Leicester have enough to get themselves over the line. Okay. I just uh, I think they've got enough to get themselves over the line. Um, <clears throat> I, th- I think they get it done at the end of the day. But like you said, that Swansea match coming up this weekend, I think uh, especially if we find out Vardy's gone for multiple matches, that. Is going that that's going to tell the tale of what's going to happen if they go out there and lose the Swansea, buddy. It is wide open and all bets are completely off. And, and that's I, I I agree wholeheartedly because after that their run in is at United, home for Everton, and at Chelsea. And let's let's be real here, uh, as bad as Everton were today in the Merseyside derby, and they were horrible. Their waveform this year has actually been very good. Um. So, yeah. well, well, Everton, and we'll get to it, I guess, in a little bit. We talk about that FA Cup a little bit, but yeah, Everton, um, it, it could all change. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, I mean, Everton could have a new manager. <laughs> you know, there's just there's no telling with Everton right now. That that is, whew, man, that is the definition of a grease fire right now um, with Roberto Martinez. But um, I think they're going to have enough to get by there. Um, even I think even if they lose that United match, um, I still think they're going to win the league. I just I think they can win. I think they can win three of these four, and have a good chance even to get a result in the fourth one. I don't know. I don't know. It's... I, I, Hey, that's uh, look. Hey, now uh, speaking of uh, Bennett, yeah. Bennett and Davies, uh, sounds like a good law firm. Bennett and Davies, um, as 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 I think Michael or uh, Michael Davies said today on this week's Men and Blazers, he said, uh, "Nice to see the uh, scriptwriters come back from the masters." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, they they are definitely writing a script. Uh, you know, you said it. We've said it before. We've seen crazier things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just, I just have a feeling that the fairy tale is going to play out. That said, it I'm not calling Patty Power and putting down any any of my hard-earned pounds anytime soon. Yeah, I think, 
I think we could be in line for a 2012 repeat uh, with with United and City going down to the last match. Um, I think I think we're in for a good run in because I, I I'm I'm wary of West Brom just because we we have sometimes struggled with them in the past. But I think Tottenham, if they play like they did against Stoke, I believe they should beat them. Um, so if if Leicester drop points, I think it's title race on and. And then you're going to see a lot of people believing and a lot of people who bought those Premier League champions scars outside the KP this past weekend might want to hope that they can find their receipts. Just saying. Um, you're, uh, you're like having a Buffalo Bills Super Bowl champion Oh, it's never too soon for that. Um, your, your fixture list coming up here. Uh, this probably will have taken place uh, by the time you listen to this pod. But speaking of West Brom, they will be traveling to the Emirates 245 on Thursday to take on Arsenal. And then Saturday, we start match week 35, 7.45 a.m. Manchester City welcomes Stoke to uh, their their home with all their plastic fans. And then at 10 a.m., you get three matches, Bournemouth versus Chelsea, Villa versus Southampton, Liverpool versus Newcastle. On Sunday, you get Sunderland Arsenal at 9 and Leicester Swansea at 11.15. And finally, on Monday... Tottenham versus West Brom at three o'clock. One uh, the second of three straight Monday night football matches for Spurs. Um, West, before we move on to the Champions League, real quick, I do want to mention Villa going down. Um, and I don't want to talk much about the match because the match was not that great and nothing much to speak of. Um, after the match, Julian Lescott says, you know. Hey, now that we know we're going down, I guess the weight's off our shoulders. Maybe we can go out and play some good football. Um, it was reported that uh, Gabby Agbangalore uh, was suspended for the next match because he was p- seen partying the night they were relegated. Um, this this Villa team has been basically a shit show this year. But my God, how, how do you even say something like that if you're Julian Lescott? And, and this isn't the first time this year Lescott has done something stupid or, or accidentally tweeted from his car something stupid. I mean, how, how do you, how as a professional athlete, do you fucking say something like that? Well, see, here's, here's, here's the problem with that. We as fans want to believe, I've heard this argument so many times, I can just about do it verbatim now. We as fans, we want to believe that these athletes care as much as we do. But here's here's the here is the absolute truth of it. Uh, Gabby Igbomlahor got relegated on Saturday afternoon, and by Saturday night he was driving his Bentley and going out and partying with some of the hottest girls on earth that us fans can never even get near them. So, I mean... Yeah, it's it's embarrassing to go down, but really, I mean, did it? Is it really affecting Gabby Igbomlahor's life? Well, I mean, I mean, it, it, I mean, I mean, you know, here here's the deal with with so much money in sports now that athletes are making. You know, it's it's not like it's not like baseball in the 1960s, where unless you were Mickey Mantle. You know what? I, pl- I play, I'm a backup left fielder for the Yankees. Man, 
I really need us to win the World Series because I get I get more money for that. And getting more money, that means, you know, I might be able to make my car payment for a few months. Right. These guys now, I mean, I mean, Julian Lescott, you know, he's played for Man City. You know, he's played for some of the bigger sides in the country. I mean, if, if he walks away from the game tomorrow, he as long as, you know, he's done right with his money, he's financially set for, like, the next three generations. Here's my only thing. I mean, there's no... There's no urgency. The only difference, you know what I mean. Urgency, I th- the the only the only urgency is if you have that self drive inside. Now here's the thing: it, right now, if you're playing for Leicester, you're playing for Tottenham. You know you've got that urgency right now. If Leicester lose that title, um, Vardy, Mares, Danny Drinkwater, those guys are going to be devastated. Mm-hmm. They're going to be devastated because they put so much into it and came up just short you know if uh let's say let's say somehow tottenham and uh lester are tied going into the final day of the season and lester win and tottenham draw you know what harry kane and deli ali those guys are going to be devastated because they put their all into it and they came up just short i mean this is you know joey lescott I mean, they've known since November that they're going down. Let's be real. They've known since October, November, psh, shit, we're the worst team here. We're getting relegated. So, I mean, they're not, you know, these guys, most of them, they're not emotionally, in, they're not as emotionally invested as as we, the fans, who, you know, this is all I look forward to every week. You know, I go work my ass off, you know, 10-hour days, so I can afford my ticket to go to the match. This is the biggest thing in the world. See, to me, it's I would buy that argument more if if we were talking about an American sport. Like, if we were talking about the Philadelphia 76ers right now, okay, yeah, I can believe that. Or like, or if we were talking, I don't know who else is crap. Uh, I don't know, the Lakers or somebody. Um, okay, I, I can buy that. But doesn't it matter at all to these guys that they're not going to be playing in the Premier League next year? Um, you're. But, but, but there's the thing. Julian Lescott's going to play in the Premier League next year. Is he? You, what you what you are? I'm not going to say you're failing to remember this. I, I don't know. I don't know everything you know, Ed. Um, but you know, <clears throat> there's been news over the last week that um, that Newcastle did not put in relegation clauses into the contracts of their players. Um, basically, most clubs, especially the lower end of the table clubs, they have um, they have clauses built into their contracts that basically say, you know what, if we get relegated, um, either your pay gets cut or we're just going to outright release you or we're definitely going to sell you. A lot of those guys on Aston Villa are not going to play for Aston Villa next year because a Villa's not going to want to pay them what you know what their contract is, so they will release or sell a lot of these guys. And a lot of these guys are going to end up somewhere still in the Premier League. I mean, you know, you think of, um, I mean, just just think of the teams who've gone down. I mean, you know, just hey Liverpool, you know what Burnley went down last year. Danny Ings didn't play in the Championship this year. Yeah, but Danny Ings was good. Well, yeah. But, I mean, there's still a lot of those guys, especially the veterans, mm-hmm. who will end up on somebody's bench next year. 
And, and I mean, a lot of the time you'll see it as, excuse me, the promoted teams will be looking for guys with, quote, Premier League experience to come in. Right. So you will see actually a lot of those guys. I mean, I'll tell you, a lot of those Aston Villa guys, Gabby and Bamahor, he's not playing for Aston Villa next year. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's too good a player to be in the championship. He's, he's going to catch on somewhere. So, I mean, that's just the thing. Yes, it's, it's somewhat embarrassing to go down. But, I mean, you're talking about multi-millionaire athletes who, I mean, here's the thing. You know, we, we also all want to think that everybody has Michael Jordan's drive. Yeah. We don't all have Michael Jordan's drive. Well, I mean, obviously many, Aston Villa does <laughs> Well, I mean, especially, you know, American sports. I mean, how many guys are, you know, uh, let's just look at Jamarcus Russell. He was the number one pick in the draft. Mm. Hey, I got my money. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I just, I think when you get these multimillionaire athletes, we, like I said, we all want to think that they care as much as we do. Yeah. Some do. Some do. Don't get me wrong. There are those who do. But l- l- let's put it this way. Uh, just as a Liverpool fan. I don't think Christian Benteke right now cares quite as much about Liverpool's success as I do. Yeah. Because yeah. Christian Benteke most likely has one foot out the door right now. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I mean, another thing, you know, somebody like Julian Lescott, like we said, he's played for a lot of other teams. You know, he he's not like born and bred in Aston Villa fan growing up. Oh, God, you know, I'd die for the shirt. Guys don't die for the shirt anymore. Steve, Stevie G's gone. Nobody at Liverpool's down for the shirt anymore. I just, I, I think, I just think it's a terrible thing to say. Still, like, like oh, it is. It's, it's, it's hideously stupid to say. That's the thing. It's stupid because at some point you've got to maybe sit there and think, you know, I don't really give a shit. But damn, you know, those forty thousand people who showed up today, who paid money, who still paid maybe, money to but, see your ass not win a game. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't shit on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's where, maybe we shouldn't shit on them. But then at the same time, we shouldn't be shocked when athletes do this shit. Yeah. It's just, there's so much money in it now that it, it's it's not about loyalty. Or as we said, it's not about the crest anymore. It's about uh, it, it's it's about them. And that's fine. And, and the last Most thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say is just his comments that the weight is off. Well, you know, if if what you're saying is true, Wes, and I I could believe it. I can I can understand that drive. You know, if they've been, if they felt it since November that they're most likely going down, then then why is the weight off your shoulder now? Why why now? Why why wasn't it off? Why didn't you feel the, off the pressure in December and say, all right, well fuck it, we're probably not gonna get out of this, but let's just go play free will in football and just see what happens. And you know what? I, I kind of think that's what Lester did last year. Well, I just, I, I kind of think that comment was just like, you know, I almost think that was less God saying, you know what? You can be pissed at me all you want. You're not bothering me. I just, I think he had a motive for saying that. You know, maybe if it was just to save face, like, well, you know what? Maybe now we can play good. I think Julian Lescott is a smart enough guy. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's an England international. You know, he's played at the highest level in the sport. I think Julian Lescott is smart enough to know, you know what? We suck and nothing's going to change now. I think by saying that, what he may mean is, 
huh, maybe the gaffer will play all the young guys and they'll give a shit. Hey, he's an England international just like Adam Johnson. Oh, wait. Anyway. And... Adam Johnson the Chris Benoit of England now? Sort of, yeah. It's like... It's like we we want to erase like any notion that he was ever here, but you can't erase seeing him with your own eyes. Exactly, you can't erase the goal <laughs> he scored earlier this year. You can't erase it. You can only hope people forget. Yeah. Um, looking at the table now and uh, where Aston Villa is done, um, we do see Leicester City still atop, five-point lead over Tottenham. Uh, Manchester City are 12 points back and are basically now out of the race. Arsenal's uh, are at 60 points right now, but match in hand again, that match being played today, Thursday. Uh, United in fifth with 59, West Ham in sixth with 56, and Liverpool in seventh with 54, with a match in hand on both those teams teams uh at the bottom of your heart the relegation zone it's villa's going down but the rest is super tight squeaky bum time indeed norwich are in 17th with 31 sunderland are in 18th with 30 and newcastle are in 19th with 29 four matches to play for all those except sunderland who do actually have still a match in hand all right west they're still Sunderland. Yeah. God, you remember when I said they were going to be the worst team in the league this year? Whoops. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, to the Champions League now. When I said Leicester were getting relegated? Yeah, it's fine. You, you had them in a, in a, in a position of, of importance. It just was the wrong end of the table. Um, we... I think I only had them at 19, so... Hmm. Uh, your semifinals for the Champions League. Uh, Manchester City gets Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid g- gets Bayern Munich. Uh, so, Wes, are we are we about to have a replay of the the Champions League semifinals from two years ago, and and go all Madrid, or uh, or is Bayern gonna make their statement as the best team in the world, or? Dare I say, is is City going to have a, a, a two-leg tie like they did against PSG, shock the world, and make the Champions League finals? Real quick, just to, just to get on since I didn't get my say on this last week. Um, what does it say for me that uh, I was a thousand times more shocked to see that City had gone through than Atletico Madrid? No, I don't... Uh... Now you remember, I I did all but pick. I, I said if anyone beats Barcelona, yeah. it's Atletico. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I was all over that. I felt Atletico gave them all the problems in the world, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was not I was not shocked by that result when I got it getting off the uh, special assignment last. I week. wasn't. I wasn't shocked. <laughs> I wasn't shocked when it was once once it went back to Manchester two two. That city could pull off the victory. I'm surprised over well, two legs. City was better. I, I was, yeah, I was just surprised that city did it. You know, I, I mean, yes, they were definitely in a great position to do it, but with city being in position to do something, actually doing something, are two completely different entities. Well, I'll also say this: Did you see any of the match? No, no. Didn't uh, see anything. PSG. I don't want to say shit the bed. Uh, I don't want to, it might almost be, we could almost say maybe now, maybe they pulled the Julian Lescott. Um, th- they acted 
for large stretches of that game, like a nil-nil draw would be just fine and dandy, which we all know it would not have been. From from what I heard, it was basically Zlatan trying to do something and nine other guys just standing around not doing anything. Yeah, that's 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 very accurate, actually. That's that's kind of the analysis that I got out of that match. Um, so uh, anyway, and then of course uh, Madrid Real of the Real version uh, coming back to get the win over Wolfsburg. I don't think that really shocked anyone. Um, you know, a lot of people thought Madrid still had a really good chance in that, even though they were down, I believe, two nil going mm-hmm. home. Um, and Bayern, Bayern's Bayern. Um, God, I tell you, I'm I'm really torn on what's going to happen. Um, in these semifinals, I just I think it's wide open. Yeah, I said I made the comment earlier. I think Liverpool need to put all their eggs in the Europa basket. Um. God, that was a pretty goal buster. Um, City have obviously put all their eggs into the Champions League. Oh, basket. yeah. Oh, yeah. No reason to now. I'm going to tell you, man, you know, Kun Aguero is really picking it up here. De Bruyne is really picking it up. Mm-hmm. If they can stay solid at the back. Yeah. God, I would not be shocked to see City go through at this point. Yeah. And I mean, that's just that 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 blows my mind to even think that. Mm-hmm. But um, that would be crazy. And and real quick, cool, I'm sorry, City's playing Real. I right? I believe I believe that's what I said. All right, if if I didn't, I, my apologies. Yeah, playing Real. Atletico's playing Bayern. Um, <laughs> and okay, obviously right now, um, UEFA are begging for a Bayern Real final. Are they? I'm almost. I'm sure. I mean, would they would they not too- pull for a, for another Madrid derby? Well, no, because that's not going to draw the eyes like uh, Real or like uh, Bayern would. Okay. All right. I mean, because you think about this. I mean, you know. Well, well, here's the thing. We've seen the Madrid derby, and it was really good. It was. It was. But now. Don't, don't forget this. Don't forget the, the great storyline you get with Bayern. You get Pep Guardiola versus Real, which is like his greatest rival. Yeah. And you get Pep's final match at Bayern in the Champions League final. Does he does he complete the project and walk out as a Champions League winner in his final match at, at Bayern? Yeah, okay, I can buy that. And Real. Either either way, I think you're either way I think you're chomping at the bit to get Real Madrid in there. I mean that the Real Madrid's like it's like having the Dallas Cowboys on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like having the Yankees in the World Series. The the ratings are going up because the Yankees are there. Um so yeah, they definitely want Real. Um and I just uh and another thing, you know, Byron's gonna play more that up tempo, flashy style. Where Atletico, and here's where I think Bayern could run into problems. Atletico were going to try to do exactly what they did to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, Barcelona. Oh yeah, which is uh, which is shut down that attack. Um, I'm gonna tell you, I think if we have a, I think if we have a surprise in the semifinals, Atletico could definitely take out Bayern. 
I think they can, absolutely. Uh, Munich has shown that their back four is not very good right now. Uh, Led up two goals to Benfica uh, in the second leg of their match. Um, And and with a team like Atletico, they have enough offensively with uh, Griezmann and... um, other people whose names I'm forgetting right now that that they could they um, could Fernando Torres yeah that guy that guy <laughs> I remember sort of. Antoine Griezmann of course um, Torres kind of I'm sorry he lives for the Champions League um you you have guys like that I I think they have enough that they could do it and if, if they could they could easily win each match one nil um. I, I don't just one nil and then uh nil nil. Yeah, I, I, I think I think Atletico are actually the better overall team. Um but Baron is really good offensively. I, I, I think I think Baron's strength hits I think uh what am I trying to say? Baron's offense can very easily be shut down by Atletico's defense. I mean, easy being in relative terms. I think Madrid's offense can beat Munich's defense more easily. Well, just remember, I mean, all Atletico is going to try to do is hit you on the counter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not worrying about building up play and all this stuff. No, they want to get you on the counter. They want to suck you in, hit you with the counter. And, I mean, they're very adept to doing it. Once again, I mean, you got a guy like Greetsman. I mean, you've got Koke out on the left. You know, Greetsman's firing through the center. Or, I mean, you know, you, as we said, you can put Torres up front. You know, as he showed, he scored a goal in the last round. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can put Fernando Torres up front and then have Greetsman running in behind him. And Greetsman being the more explosive of the two. They've got options. That's the thing. You know, it's... They do not play the aesthetically pleasing football that Barcelona or Munich or Real Madrid play, but they are so damn efficient with what they do. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you know, they they don't mind giving you 65% possession. Mm-hmm. They don't mind giving Barcelona 75% possession because all they're looking for, you know, they're going to pack everybody in behind the ball and look to nail you on the counter. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, with Bayern having injury problems and just the fact that I think Bayern are very good. I don't think Bayern are what they have been. Mm-hmm. My God, Atletico might be your favorite to win the Champions League right now. I think so. I think they're playing the best, and I think they're the best team. Um Atletico, if you want to compare them, Atletico basically are the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. They're really good fundamentally. They're very good defensively. They're efficient offensively. They are not the most fun team in the world to watch. <laughs> no, no, but uh, they they would be worthy champions if they are to go through. Um, so Wes, now let's let's talk Europa. Now that now that we've hit that point, a a point. In this show, we usually spend about two minutes and then move on with our lives. What is squeaking? Um, that is the uh, Sao Paulo dogs trying to uh, demolish a toy. Please stop, Sao Paulo dogs. I just, I, I, 
I just decided to bring the dogs home with me this time. Oh, you got to keep an eye on them instead of having to go to Sao Paulo. Um, your quarterfinal results were uh, Shakhtar getting a 6-1 aggregate win over Braga. Uh, Villarreal getting a 6-3 win over Sparta Prague. High scoring matches. Um, Bill Bow going down to Sevilla 5-4 in penalties. Uh, 3-3 on aggregate. And uh, finally, the match, well, you know, Sevilla Bilbao is pretty good on zone. Uh, but Liverpool Dortmund in regulation, Liverpool going through 5 4 on aggregate, 4 3 in the second leg. Um, so that sets up your semifinals of Shakhtar versus Sevilla and Villarreal, the fighting Roberto Soldados versus the fighting Jurgen Klopps. Uh, so, Wes, just, I mean, let's let's recap. Your, your, you know, your extended stay on that Sao Paulo trip that prevented you from seeing the match live and then and now getting your thoughts on it. That's right. Um, so as uh, as my red brethren around the world were going crazy, um, I was sitting on a boat out in the middle of the. Uh... You were also going crazy for different reasons. I was going crazy because I couldn't see the match. Yeah. I was bored by the last day of that cruise. Um, I was bored and I was angry that I could not see my match. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got the score basically at about 7 o'clock on Friday morning, Eastern time. <laughs> um, and I just had this feeling come over me like, what the hell happened? <laughs> four to three, we go through five, four, and aggregate. I knew there had to be a crazy story to it. And um, that, that's exactly what yeah. happened. Uh, within 10 minutes, it looked done and dusted. Dortmund came out looking like everyone expected Dortmund to come out looking. Um, they were absolutely dominant. They go up 2-0, which gives them the, uh, the lead in the tie. That was 3-1 at that point. Also gave them uh, the away goal tiebreaker as well. Yeah, gave them the away goal tiebreaker. So everything looks lost. Everything looks done and dusted. And then... Um, you know, from 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 the reports we heard, Klopp gave an incredibly inspired halftime speech. Um, told his players that uh, Liverpool had faced a three-goal deficit before. Um, it was that one night in Istanbul, a green, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, basically Liverpool, through sheer will and determination, got themselves back in it. And, and those two matches, they really. If you look at the, if you look at everything surrounding them, they kind of had a, uh, they had a lot in common. I mean that you know, oh five that was a Liverpool squad who, you know, yeah, you know they had Stevie G. After that, I mean, if you were making a starting eleven between AC Milan and Liverpool for that match, all right, Stevie G. And then everybody else is from AC Milan. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was a fabulously talented team, much like Dortmund. Um, You know, much like the Dortmund match, uh, you know, Liverpool found themselves in a big hole and and basically had to will themselves back into it. Um, And it started with, you know, Divac Origi getting the goal, made it it two to one on the night, three to on aggregate. and then, you know, Mar- Marco Royce comes down and scores another goal. And, God, now it's 4-2. to two. Everything, once again, looks done and dusted. And then, um, I believe it was uh, Coutinho 
mm-hmm. scored to make it a four three. Um, and then uh, the two center backs who, <laughs> if they had not scored late on, both would have e- either or could have been the uh, the goat. Yes, and I mean the goat in a bad way. <laughs> could have been the goat of the uh, of the tie. Uh, Sacco ties it, and then in the 90th minute, plus one, uh, James Milner digs out a ball that's about to go out of play, gets a cross up, and uh, of course, you know, of all people, you know, Ed, when you get a story like this, it's always the the reclamation project who makes it happen. Mm-hmm. And who's a bigger reclamation project on that squad than Dejan Mavard? Yeah, I mean, a guy who Liverpool fans have cursed. And, you know, threaten to, like, kill on the street. Oh, yeah. Check the <laughs> and, tapes you know, of this podcast. You know, literally, my God, we will give you away for an old used soccer ball and a and a mesh bag. We'll give you Dejan Lovren. And there's Dejan Lovren powering in a header. Suddenly, oh, my God, it's five to four. Anfield sounds like a vintage European night Anfield. Um, you know, the, the, the cop shook. And um, Dortmund had one last chance at the end. Uh, mm. Ilke Gundogan, uh, maybe a future Man City. Ilke Gundogan uh, misses everything with the free kick. And my God, magic has struck. Uh, we, there's always a big sign at Liverpool up for those uh, European nights that says, make us a dream. And uh, for at least a couple more weeks, Liverpool are dreaming of, once again, European glory. And, you know, I'll tell you, Ed, you know, once again, we talked about earlier, everyone gives uh, Europa such this, uh, this, you know, kind of shitty reputation and everything. But I'm going to tell you, you know, for, in Liverpool lore, we, we've won the now known as the Europa League. We've won it three times, most in history. And uh, a lot of the old Liverpool fans will tell you that those were – I mean, those nights were just as intense, just as gratifying as anything you did in the Champions League. Um, we, I mean, winning a European Cup at the end of the day, you won a European Cup. Mm-hmm. And it it, uh, it can mean a lot. You know, the last time Liverpool did it, it was a team that uh, they, they won the treble. That was the third title of the treble that season. That was 2001. And um, that group ended up being the core of uh, Istanbul just a few years later. So... For this Liverpool group, I think it's big because you're getting a lot of these guys, you're getting them the European experience. And if you do make the Champions League, that's going to do nothing but help you down the line. Absolutely. So now now you will be taking on uh, Villarreal uh, and then potentially the winner of Shakhtar versus Sevilla. Sevilla going for what would be a record third consecutive Europa League title if they can pull it off and get back to the Champions League and then immediately fall back out of it. Um, what what are your thoughts going up against the uh, the current fourth place team in La Liga over two legs? Um, you know, Villarreal, good team. Uh, you know, we talked about it, uh, old Bobby Soldado over there. Uh, <laughs> I, they're a good squad. It's going to be a very tough matchup. Um, you know, Villarreal, there's, there's a video out there of Villarreal, uh, uh, receiving the bid, uh, you know, watching it and going crazy because according to them, they wanted Sevilla in the final. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, okay, okay, no problem. Um, <laughs> Right now for Liverpool, unfortunately, we're, we're running into a little injury crisis. You know, we talked about earlier uh, Henderson Chan number the year. 
uh, or Regis now looks like he's going to be out for a while. Um, but you know, it, it's been all hands on deck all year for Liverpool anyway. So why change it at this point? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we, I mean, we have the Welsh Pirlo, Joe Allen, who's, you know, been playing extremely well the last month or so. Um, you know, James Milner for all the stick that James Milner gets, you know, all that guy does is make things happen. James Milner, real quick, seven goals, 14 assists on the season. Hmm. Has 10 assists in 2016 alone. Uh, set up a couple today. You know, he uh, he's actually played really well. We just, it's just, it's like always, no one, James Milner is boring. Yes. But he's so boring that all he's doing is making shit happen at Liverpool. So, um yeah, you know, I've I feel good going into it. I mean, there's no reason for Liverpool not to feel good going into it as a fan. You know, um, I just hope over two legs we can get it done. And I tell you now, it would be really cool to have a Liverpool Sevilla final, because right now Liverpool and Sevilla, Sevilla going for their third straight uh, Europa League title. Sevilla have three all time. Liverpool have three all time. Those two have the most UEFA slash Europa League cups of mm. all time. So it'll be really cool to see uh, kind of the tiebreaker in the final. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we will see if that's how it plays out. Uh, those matches to take place uh, on April 28th and May 5th, uh, both legs of those ties, uh, the Champions League matches will be taking place uh, the week before that. Uh, or sorry, not the week before that, but the Tuesday and Wednesday before each of those, which uh, is according to my uh, notes here, that is next week. So, right back to European Nights next week. Um, finally, as far as matches go, we are in the uh, semifinals of the FA Cup coming up this Saturday at 7.15 British Standard Time, which I believe is noon, 12.15 here. Um, yes. Five, five hours. Five hour difference. Yeah, well, I know sometimes it becomes four because of daylight savings, but whatever. Um who cares? Nobody's going to watch this anyway. Uh, it's Everton versus Manchester United at Wembley, followed on Sunday by Crystal Palace versus Watford. Um, who, who would you lay a pound on? Or a, even, you know, it's the FA Cup. Who would you lay a, a half pence on to take home the title, Wes? I mean, I think your odds on favorite has to be United. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just looking at those teams. Uh Considering that I believe in in 2016, just in a Premier League form, I think uh, Watford, Crystal Palace, and Everton might have won like three matches between them. Potentially, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I don't even know if I'm exaggerating. I don't. Uh, well, we know Palace has won one because for a while they had won zero. And I don't. Th- I think Watford's only won like one. Yeah. <laughs> um, here in the in the calendar year, it's been really bad. Um, I mean, obviously United is, United is your favorite. I mean, give the, give the Red Devils some due. I mean, they, uh, they've come pretty good lately. You know, they've been playing much better as of late. Uh, you know, Marcus Rashford, a couple of the young guys out there have really given them a boost. Um, so they're your odds on favorite. That said, (laughs) What would I not give to have an Everton Watford final? Yeah, that's ratings gold. Yeah, you know, and, and I think the FA Cup is that on is that on Fox? I believe Fox so. Sports? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they basically go from two years of having Arsenal, who hey, at least people are going to watch Arsenal, 
to, I mean, your United States viewership might be like eight. (laughs) You might get like eight people in the U.S. to watch that game. And one of those is like going to be Rob Stone's mom. Yeah. I mean, literally no one would watch that. It would be so awesome. Uh, Sorry, Fox. I mean, no, no offense to you guys. I like your coverage, but, uh. Oh, man, the FA Cup. I mean, you're down to those four teams. and I mean, literally, they are, you know, if if they don't fix that match to make sure that United is there, then the FA has completely dropped the ball. <laughs> because that is the only way you're getting a number is if Manchester United is in that final. Oh, my gosh. That's the only way you're getting a number. Well, just doing some quick research, uh, the combined wins for those three teams is seven in this calendar year. Okay. Uh, three from Everton and three from Watford, uh, including a earlier uh, Watford win over Crystal Palace 2-1. I'm going to tell you what, Wes. I'm actually going to take Watford. Um, they gave United a very good match at Old Trafford a few weeks ago and and, may, and ha- created enough chances where really they could have won that match. Um, I think they're going to beat Palace. So, you know, what the hell? It's the FA Cup. Weird stuff happens. Wigan won it once and immediately went down. So, you know, why not? <laughs> why not Watford? Um, My God, that would mean Watford to Europe. Well deserved, but the question is, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Roberto Martinez's future at Everton might depend on if he can beat United this weekend. Uh, there's another manager who might be in danger, who might be relying on the FA Cup, and and this one though, to me, Wes is is very much surprising. Rumors are starting to circulate that uh, Kike Sanchez Flores is in danger of of being sacked as manager of Watford. Uh, if if he does not uh, turn things around, as we mentioned, there have only been three wins in 2016. However, this is their first year back in the Premier League. They're in 12th place right now on the table. They are in absolutely no danger of going back down. Flores has done a pretty darn good job with what he's had. He's instilled a very, I think, for the Premier League, unique style of play that we've talked about a lot uh, on this podcast. I'd be, I'd be very surprised, and and a little disappointed in Watford if they decide that they get rid of Flores at the end of the year. I mean, it would suck, you know. I mean, here you are, you're coming up first time in forever. You've been in the top flight. Yeah, I mean, he secured you safety. Uh, yeah, I mean, secured you safety with matches to spare. Yeah, I've gotten you to at the very least the semifinal of the FA Cup. I mean, if Watford finish 12th this year and get to a cup semifinal, I mean, really, what more as a Watford owner could you have expected this season? I don't know. I mean, I just, I believe in August, if they had gone to Watford and said, all right, guys, here's the deal. You can either play your entire season and see where it falls, or we'll tell you what, we're going to guarantee you 12th place, uh, survival with uh, plenty of cushion, and a semifinal run in the FA Cup. What do you say? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Everybody, every Watford guy would have taken that. And now suddenly, and I understand, you know, their form has definitely dipped here in the second half of the season. But, you know, that's not all Sanchez Flores' fault. Yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of things. They've had injuries. Um, I mean, you know, I'm at least, I mean, I'm at least giving him, you know, a summer to try to rearm. Because don't don't forget, 
as we mentioned before, everybody in the Premier League has money. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I mean, you know, there, there's literally some stuff out there that, like, within two or three years, like, the the 20th richest team in the Premier League is still going to be in, like, the top 30 in the world. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you're going to have money to go out and, you know, try to improve that squad. I mean, unless he's had a falling out with, uh, with upper management... I mean, to me, I think uh, I think it's got to be something personality trait going on or something, or maybe they feel he's losing the locker room. But I, I just I I find it hard to believe that with that league finish in this cup run, that you're looking to replace that guy. Well, and it does mention in this report uh, we're reading from here. This is on uh, the Daily Mail. Um, he, he does seem like he still has the support of all his players. Um, However, Watford has not been the most stable of clubs. Uh, Flores actually takes over, uh, or took over, I should say, this past summer from Slavisaj Djokanovic, who who guided the team up to the Premier League. However, Flores is also the fifth head coach for Watford in one year. So this is a club that, you know, despite success, despite getting up there, has not been very stable at top. Whereas I think in the Premier League, I think stability is so huge, especially if you have a, a, a guy who, who seems to know what he's doing, who, who whose players seem like they still believe in him and who is now guaranteed you. Well, they're they're one point off of guaranteeing you safety for another season. And as you said, Wes, they're, they're at least in the semifinals of the FA Cup might even make the finals. I, I I don't understand. I I this it makes no sense to me. And it, like who's who's better? Who are you gonna are you gonna bring in David Moyes? Is he gonna be better? Is the Broge no, gonna going, be better? Moyes is going back to Everton, and Broge is going back to Swansea. Yeah, it's gotta happen. Um, no, but um, you know, you, you made the point talking about Watford. They've been a little um. I can't remember the words you used, but they've been kind of topsy turvy up top for a while. Yeah, you know this is a this is a club that's owned um, by the, a family. It's an Italian family that owns them, and they also own uh, Udinese, who's in Syria. Well, if you and then they actually own a Syria another Syria team as well. I think it's not Palermo, is it? No, no, no! It's not Palermo. Because if because um, longtime fans of the show, and and by longtime fans I mean those who listened to last week's pod, uh, will remember that I talked about Palermo installing their eighth manager of the season last week. <laughs> no, no, no! It's not quite that bad. No. Um, Italians. Tagabai, tie shy ties. Um, but you know they they've had some really uh kind of uh, shady dealings the last few years with Watford. You know, this is a team, basically the fact that they own these three clubs, um, what they actually will do is they will, they loan a lot of players between their clubs. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's uh, the, the, po- the Pozzo family, P-O-Z-Z-O, Gino Pozzo is the owner. Um, they, that's right. They also okay. They own Udinese in Italy, and then they own Granada in Spain. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they own three clubs. Okay, um, and, and they loan a lot of their players in between. 
And a few seasons ago, in a bid to get Watford up into the Premier League, they actually loaned a lot of Udinese players to Watford. Um, of course, Udinese, as we said, that's a Serie A team. That's a top flight team in Italy. They're loaning them to the championship trying to get Watford up. Mm-hmm. So they've um, they've done kind of some somewhat shady shit in the past. Mm, we love shady shit. I mean, shit. this shouldn't... Yeah, I mean, this really shouldn't shock anyone with Watford, but um, you know, for Kiko Flores, you know, he's a guy who he seems like he deserves better because he's done a great job. Absolutely. Um, speaking of managers that have done great jobs, and and yeah. might might be on the move, you I was brought this say, up. Is it Louis Van Halton? <laughs> Not Noel, kind of. He's sort of tangentially related. Um. Wes, you actually brought this up to me, uh, and I had heard the rumor too. The rumor, the rumor du jour, the Mourinho rumor du jour, is that he is going to replace Laurent Blanc as the manager at PSG this summer. Of course, as we mentioned, Blanc failed to make uh, make it past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Uh, they're gonna win. They've won the league. Uh, they're probably gonna win two other domestic titles. But really, that's not enough anymore for PSG. And and really, who better, Wes, to take over and convince Zlatan to stay at Paris than the special one, Jose Mourinho? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. Um, really, for Mourinho, I don't know if that would not be a better job than anywhere in England right now for him. Like, as much as I was because, mocking this story, uh, I... I a hundred percent agree with you. Oh, I mean, I think it's a great, it, it's a great idea if that's where they want to do. <clears throat> For the simple fact that, I mean, if he goes to United, I mean, I've been, we've been joking about it for months. You know, Guardiola, Mourinho, and Klopp within like a thirty-mile triangle yeah. of each other. How amazing is that? I mean, it will be if he goes to United, it will be the biggest media circus in the world. Mm-hmm. And I mean that for real. The entire world, the entire world of sport, that will be the biggest media circus. Will be him as the manager at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Um, he will inherit a club that is not ready to win the title. Needs a need, you know, even though that, I mean, they're sitting in fifth. They can still finish fourth. That's a club that needs a pretty decent overhaul. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think there are a lot of Mourinho type players at United right now he could be walking into a brutal situation at United. Also, the fact that, once again, his crosstown rival would be Guardiola, who is walking into a ready-made squad. Right. Or a squad that is much closer to being what he would prefer to do. Um, If he goes to PSG, basically right now you go to PSG, anyone who goes there after this season – they go in with the full understanding your job is to get us deeper into the champions league. Mm-hmm. We've won, we've won the French league, you know, unless we just totally fall apart, we're going to win the French league. I really believe right now that, um, most PSG fans could take or leave the domestic cups. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. who really gives a rip at the end of the day, win the league, go deep in the champions league. Mourinho could walk into PSG and that's a team that does not need a lot. That's a team that just needs, they need some steel in the spine, which is actually what Mourinho provides. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what he does. He gives you that shot in the ass. Um, 
he may be the only person that could keep Zlatan, as you said, at PSG. Um, because they, they were together at Inter for a year and um, had a fantastic relationship. Um, I just I think it's a home run hire. You know, he goes there. Yes, there's still going to be media attention, but because it's not England and it's not Guardiola and it's not Klopp and it's not United and it's not Chelsea, it would just be such a more reasonable laid back position for him to be able to go. And I mean, you know what? He could tinker like a madman Mm -hmm. if he wanted to at PSG. And you know what? No one's going to second guess him. Oh, no. As long as he produces in the Champions League, no one's going to second-guess anything he does. Um, I mean, you know, at this point, we don't even know if United is going to be in Champions League next year. Mm-hmm. Would Mourinho want to walk in somewhere where he's not in the Champions League? Um, I, I find it hard to fathom that he would want to if he had other options at big clubs in the Champions League. Yeah, I, so, uh, I think uh, this is... I, I, think, I, I think this rumor has a lot of legs. Yeah, and, you know, PSG, we, we, do, we did kind of, you know, sort of downplay the domestic cups a little bit. Um, they did win in their one of the, one of their league cups uh, uh, yesterday on what else a Zlatan goal. Um, this, so they'll be going to the finals of one. I believe they're in the semifinals of the other and playing this weekend in the semifinals of that one. If they win the treble this year, they'll be only the they'll be the first French team to ever win a treble in consecutive years. So that is incredibly impressive. This is a team that does know how to win. And I could very much use a coach like Mourinho who knows what it takes to win then the Champions League. And for all the shit we love to give him, he is a brilliant manager. And as you said, is somebody that could really link up with Zlatan Ibrahimovic to keep him there. Anyway, um, our final uh, story, which is also our other big story, and we'll, we'll go through this kind of quick here. Um, the, Grant Wall posted an inter- interesting tweet earlier this week saying um, he asked a question apparently about how the, uh, the Olympics uh, these that are coming up this summer in Rio had 16 men's teams in their tournament, but only 12 women's teams. And uh, the answer he was given, he was told Olympic soccer has 12 women's teams and 16 men's because the packed Olympics asked for team sports to be limited to 24 teams total. FIFA, the IOC was kind enough to increase women's teams from eight to 12, but the men continued with 16, so the total is 28 and unlikely to increase to 32. So, Wes, last time we talked on this show, it was it was the women in the U.S. national team fighting for equal pay. But they still can't get equal representation in the Olympics. Well, you know, I love the ladies. I know. I know you do. I think they made that very clear the last time. I'm a U.S. women's national team huge fan. That said, to me, the, uh, I mean, globally, the men's game is so much bigger than the women's game. It's not funny. You know, the Olympic Committee wanted a smaller amount of teams. Um, they made an exception to get the women up a little higher. And I'm sorry, I mean, when it, truly when it comes down to it, 
I mean, you've just got more quality men's teams in the world than women's teams as it is. Mm -hmm. I don't have a big problem with this. Um, uh, it sounds to me like Grant Wall's kind of making a story out of something that might not really be a story. Well, I mean, I think it is interesting that the the Olympics have decided to to make this adjustment for the men. Um, and they, and they kind of, it sounds like they kind of capitulated to the men. Uh, I don't know. It said, cause it says the men continued with 16. So I assume that means that the men were told to only have 12 and, and they went ahead and put 16 anyway. I don't know who makes that decision. Um, I guess that's FIFA, but that's, that's really weird that the, the IOC just can't make the decision and say, no, you're getting 12 teams and you're going to like it. So I guess it's good that they went from eight women's teams to twelve, because with sixteen men, that to put it make it twenty four, that would have meant only eight women's teams. Um, so I guess, you know, he put kind in quotation marks. I actually do think that's good of the IOC to give women the twelve that they should have had to begin with. Um, but I think if you're going to give the men sixteen, I think give the women sixteen too. We saw in the World Cup, there's sixteen teams that you could put into an international tournament and have a good tournament. Uh, 30, 32 would probably have been a bit much. Obviously, for an Olympics, it would be a bit much. But I, I think I think there's 16 quality enough women's teams in the world that they could have done it. And and it's just it's a little disappointing that, that the men were allowed to continue steamrolling to get 16 and the women weren't. I do understand what you're saying, and, and I agree that the men's tournament would be more popular than the women's but it's just it's very disappointing with everything else going on that the ioc decided to do that well i mean that's it too i mean when was this decision was made a while back i mean you know a lot of the times it's going to take a couple of maybe a couple of uh cycles to get things up up to snuff so, I mean, I don't think it's, I also don't think it's sitting there saying you're getting 12, that's it, that's your cap. Don't ask us it for anything else ever again. You know, um, I mean, they, they, they've, they've upped the number this time. There's no, there's no reason they couldn't up the number four years from now. Well, and I think the other interesting thing is, and this is a point some people have made is, the men's tournament isn't a true men's tournament. It's an under 23 competition. So like you're, you're not getting messy. If Argentina had qualified, you're, you're getting Neymar because he's still young enough. And because Brazil and Barcelona worked out a deal. Well, well now don't forget, um, as far as the superstar players go, you are given, I think it's two to three exceptions. Okay. Um, because of course you remember Beckham played in the last one. Well, not in the last was one. It but... No, it wasn't Beckham. It was, um, well, you can play. I think three guy, two or three players. You can have there like over, mm -hmm. over the age limit, um, because David Beckham has played for England before in the Olympics. I think. I believe that. I believe it. I can't remember all of it, but um, yeah, there there are some exceptions. Maybe it was Giggs. Maybe it was Ryan Giggs because you know, of course, it's Team Great Britain. It's not England. Right. Great Britain, so I almost want to say maybe it was Giggs, but um, it's time to bring on anyway, Gareth Bale. Anyway, yeah, I mean they could, I guess, if they wanted. Um, but uh, you know, I just I, I don't I don't see a big issue with it. I mean, look, right now 
there aren't as many women's teams in the World Cup as there are men's teams. How many is it? Is it 24? Um, I think it's 24. Quote me on a number, but it's not as big a tournament as the men's are. So, I mean, you know, it's not like this is a precedent being set. I mean, this is a precedent that already exists. Yeah, but they could have gone to 16. Or or they just didn't have to make the men's 16. They they, they what they did is but, they allowed hasn't the men hasn't the men's always been 16? No, it was supposed to be that's that's what that was the thing. It was supposed to be 12 and 12 and then the the men's side said, "No, we're going to have 16." And they were they had initially then switched the women to just be eight teams and then the IOC decided to give them an extra four to make it 16 and 12. Well, Jesus Christ, they're getting on our money. Stop whining. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going there. That was totally just a joke. Yeah, you know, why why, why keep, no why keep a guy who actually hated paper money on the $20 bill when you can put on, you know, a, a slave uh, who was instrumental in the Underground Railroad? Of course, because there's no one else who would ever deserve to be on money. I mean, come on. It's being on money. Second who would you put on? Money. Who else would you put on, Wes Bradshaw? Who would you who would you put on the twenty? Huh, obviously, Ronald Reagan. Because <laughs> that's what we need—more old white guys on our money. Well, obviously, Donald Trump's going to be on the million, on the million dollar bill one day. So don't you worry, my friend. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not worried about. I mean, that. Look, I have no problem with Oprah eventually replacing Abraham Lincoln on the five dollar bill. Okay. <laughs> you know who should be on the. You know who should be on the money, Ed. Who? Rebecca Lowe should be on the money. You know what? Care. You know what? I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that. Give her the dollar bill. Oh, that'd be amazing. The Becca bill. That's that's brilliant. That's all I would carry in my wallet. And that's not a strip it. club joke. That's that's just honesty. You'd be throwing those singles. Those those ladies at the strip club would feel empowered. It'd be amazing. That's awesome. Um. So anyway, that's that's our Olympic chat. We we need to go ahead and head on here because um, we only got about twenty minutes left in the podcast. Um, Wes, what are you watching in the week that was and the week that will be for Watch Four? Um, had the season finale of Brooklyn Nine Nine this week. Mm. Um, very 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 fun. Maybe last six episodes of the season. Um, that's always been a show that did a lot of standalone shows, mm-hmm. and would maybe you know. Yeah, you know, you'd pick up some little nugget references to old shows here and there. You know, obviously they would build on characters. But um, I think it was the last six or eight shows of this season. This was season uh, three of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They went with a very, um, they went with a very uh, uh, continuing storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, re- it revolved around a uh, 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 mobster, uh, some organized crime, um, it, it was it was just very funny, and uh, over the last two weeks, I had to watch the last two episodes when I got back, uh, uh, of course, from my trip, and then last night, or Tuesday night this week, was the season finale. Um, Dennis Haysbert uh, did a really did a really really good uh, uh, guest starring role over the last two episodes. Uh, he and Andre Brower really played off each other. So, well, if you've never seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Andre Brower's character is just, he's, he's amazing. Oh, 
absolutely amazing. It just uh, completely deadpans everything. Um, and Dennis Haysbert basically played like his clone. Perfect. As an FBI agent, it was it was so funny. I was rolling on the floor. Uh, but you know the season ends and um, they they just about take down this organized crime ring. Unfortunately, the main the big boss is still out there. He calls uh, Jake Peralta to end the season, threatens his life, and the season ends on a uh, on a shot very reminiscent of the ending of the movie Goodfellas, where uh, Peralta picks up his newspaper on his lawn at his uh, witness protection house in uh, in Florida. And um, looks next door, and there is his uh, his captain Andre Brower, who is also in witness protection. So that's how the season ends with them in witness protection, and uh, very much looking forward to season four. That's uh, that's one of my favorite weekly little shows to uh, DVR and watch is uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. So if you've never seen it, I would definitely recommend it. It's a it's a whole lot of fun. Great show. Go for it. Um, speaking of cop shows. Uh, I got into one, you know, I think everybody thought I was going to talk about Kisniver this weekend, and I have thoughts on Kisniver. I will give, I will give you my five words on Kisniver right now. That's a really good show. We'll talk about it more next week. This week, like as I said, I'm going to talk about a cop show, because this week it's all about Space Patrol Lulico motherfuckers. That's right, Space Patrol Lulico is coming to eat your soul in seven minute increments it's fantastic it's stupid it's weird it's goofy as hell and it's totally fucking japan little girl has to go because she freezes her father somehow and work for space police and the officer is basically just a flaming skull with a police hat on that's what i want in my animes flaming skulls wearing police hats, screaming broken English. That is Japan. I really enjoy Space Patrol Luluko, and at seven minutes of the episode, it just it's just zany enough where it doesn't overstay its welcome, though. So, yeah. Check out Space Patrol Luluko, everyone. Please. I can't be the only person to watch it. And I know I'm not. I know I'm not. Um, so speaking of weird transformations into guns, little girls running around, turning into said guns, and screaming skulls of fire with broken English. Wes, what's going on in So Raw? Well, Ed, you just may have inadvertently given the greatest segue of your life. I thought I did. Because, um, <clears throat> A, you know, we're going to start, we're talking Japan, you're talking Japan, Japan's so weird. Ed, this is a land where uh, they have vending machines that have uh, used women's underwear in them. Love them. I love Japan. You can buy them, get you a good whiff, do whatever else you do with them. Uh, it's a land that has uh, beer and vending machines. Mm. Um, and Ed, it's a land uh, that's the home of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. And New Japan Pro Wrestling over the last year or so, one of the hottest promotions in the world, just behind WWE. And um, back in uh, back in the end of December, early January, four of the biggest stars of New Japan Wrestling gave their notice. Their contracts were up. They said that, uh, thank you, but we're going to the WWE. 
And since then, of course, you know, we've talked about AJ Styles made his uh, debut at the Royal Rumble. Um, at Dallas NXT TakeOver, um, Shinsuke Nakamura made his debut. Mm. Maybe potentially match of the year. But then, Ed Green, there were, you you know, the two guys that I was waiting for. Because, Ed, I made you listen to them a little bit on one of our trips earlier this year. Um, you may have felt the dumber for listening for five minutes. A little bit. But, uh... Two of the two of the funniest guys you'll you'll ever run into, but also uh, two of the absolute best workers in the wrestling business. Um, they were uh, definite granite blocks of the infamous Bullet Club. Uh, they were Carl uh, Anderson and Luke Dot Gallows. And Ed, I just you know I put one thing on my Twitter before I left town. And I said, I swear to God, if Doc, if uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson debut on Raw while I'm on the boat, I'm going to lose my shit. What happened, Wes? Consider my shit lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they had last Monday, uh, Gallows and Mich- I, I call them Gun and Gallows. Carl Anderson, known as the Machine Gun. Um, they come out, they jump the Usos, which of course are Roman Reigns' cousins. This past week, uh, first time we get to hear them talk is uh, they talked to their good buddy AJ Styles backstage. And then uh, they proceed to jump and beat the living shit out of Roman Reigns. Oh, no. And as you know, when you jump Roman Reigns, that means uh, that means you're jumping right into the main storyline. Yep. Uh, so we now have two weeks of gun and gallows under our belt. A uh, lot, lot, lot more coming from those guys. Um, we still anxiously await with bated breath the arrival of uh, Finn Balor, which uh, most likely could be coming this summer sometime. Really hope. Uh, Finn, Finn Balor, of course, said that would be the one who, while not your great black otaku, mm. uh, he moves you more toward the whole comic book deal. Uh, yeah, this is a guy who uh, paints himself like Venom for some of his bigger matches. Mm-hmm. Um, just a big time, big time performer. Uh, also the founder of said Bullet Club. Um, payback is our next pay-per-view coming May the 1st. Uh, so we're quickly building toward that one, of course, very close at this point. Um, only about, uh, well, I guess, shoot, next week will be the go-home show for that. Um, right now we have got... It's right now we've got uh, Roman Reigns defending against AJ Styles for the world title. I've got a feeling the Bullet Club guys are going to get involved in that one. Uh, interested to see where that goes very much. That's that's my number one storyline right now. Those are my guys. Um, Dean Ambrose is going to be taking on um, Chris Jericho. Knock down the wall. Been some really, really good back and forth between them the last few weeks. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn finally going to hook up on the WWE screen. You know, we've talked about them before. I mean, this is this is not just a recent rivalry or feud. This is a this is a 15 year relationship between these two guys. They've uh, they've been best friends. They've been best enemies. Um, 
fantastic. Just amazing performers. And they're going to put on a great show. I cannot imagine this was going to be the big blow-off to that rivalry because they just have not built it enough. To me, they haven't built it nearly enough on the main stage here. So I think that one's still got a good ways to go, but that's going to be a fun match. Um, Ed, one thing we've had since WrestleMania, we have had, in, in addition to uh, Gun and Gallows, we've had um, some some NXT talent who's made their debuts. Um, Apollo Crews, who is uh, kind of seen as one of the big guys for the future. Um He's made his debut. They they haven't really put him into much yet. They're just kind of getting his feet wet. Um, Baron Corbin, who is a future monster heel in the company, this is a guy who was an NFL offensive lineman. Um, big guy. He's about 6'8". They weigh him at about 275. Um, kind of has a lone wolf. Lone wolf is kind of his gimmick. Uh, mm. But he's he, he's... He has the potential to be a very dominant heel coming up. He's just, yeah, he's got to get experience. He'll, he'll be something good. Um, the big ones though that they debuted have been a pair of tag teams. One of the more uh, anticipated tag teams over the last six months was a team called a team of uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass, Colin Cassidy. Um, they are extremely, extremely popular down in NXT. Um, and they have come up and uh, they, they've been having a number one contenders tournament for the uh, for the New Day's world tag team titles. They've been having a number one contenders tournament. The tournament brought to you by Bootios. Of course. The official cereal of the uh, of the New Day. The only um, cereal. If you don't eat your Bootios, you'll be booty. Uh they said a lot better than me, but anyway. Um, but uh, Enzo and Cass have made it to the final of that against another um, recent call-up from NXT, the Vault Villains. Which, um, while you're sitting there, Vault Villains, what? Uh, they've got a very interesting gimmick uh, where they were... Uh, I know you've heard of Vaudeville before. Yeah, the, like the 1930s like Abbott and Costello shit. Yeah, um, that, that's their gimmick. Yeah. Very interesting, to say the least. Um, but they've they've gotten over. They got over well in NXT, and they've gotten over on the main roster. And those two teams are going to fight at payback to become the number one contender. So somebody within a month of coming up is going um, to go into a feud for the tag team titles with the New Day, which means uh, whoever gets it, that's going to be a big boost for that team because New Day are you know by far one of the most popular gimmicks over right now in the company. Mm-hmm. So um, that's gonna be that's gonna be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, I'm I'm excited for that. Um, uh, on the women's side, we've got Charlotte and Natalia, um, uh, Natty Neidhart, you know, kind of her real name, but um, Natalia is a member of the famous Hart family, um, the kind of the first family of Canadian wrestling for many years. Uh, and of course, Charlotte, the daughter of Ric Flair. So, uh, you know, Ric Flair has been interfering in a lot of Charlotte's matches over the last few months. So to even it out, coming up at Payback, we're going to have a world t- uh, women's world title match. Charlotte versus Natalia. Of course, the nature boy, Ric Flair in Charlotte's corner. Mm. And Brett, the hitman Hart. Uh, first time we'll see him on WWE TV since his um, cancer scare. Uh, 
good to hear he's gotten uh, surgery was successful for him and he's coming back well. First time we'll see him back on television, he'll be in his uh, niece Natalia's corner. So uh, Brett the Hitman should be able to neutralize the Nature Boy, and uh, you know we'll see what happens in the ring. But that's going to be a really, really good, really, really fun match between those two. They've uh, they've done really good things before. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm going to tell you, man, right now, WWE, you know, over the last three weeks since WrestleMania have been three of the best consecutive weeks I've, I remember seeing in a long time. Um, you can you can see that, uh, you know, there were a lot of disgruntled fans. I wouldn't say I was disgruntled, but, I mean, you obviously could tell, talking to me week from week, I, I had some frustration. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've been really happy with some of the things they've done, you know, uh, I like, I'm liking thus far what they're doing with Reigns. I want to see where it goes. I want to see how it ends up. But, you know, they're not pushing him as uh, the next John Cena at the moment. It doesn't seem like. So uh, So that's been that's been refreshing. That's been nice. We'll see where that goes. But um, I'm, I'm optimistic right now about the direction that they're going with the company. Um, I'll be seeing it a couple of times over a few days with my own eyes coming up in the next month. Of course, the month of May, um, they have a North Carolina swing where uh, they will be in Greenville on Friday night, Raleigh on Saturday night, um, maybe Charlotte on Sunday night, and then Monday night they will have Raw in Greensboro. I will be at the two greens. I'll be in Greenville and Greensboro. Nice. So um, I get to see I get to see me quite a bit of the wrestling that weekend. So uh, I'm excited, and I'm excited where the product's going right now, and I'm really excited that I get to see the Bullet Club. Well, there you go. That's that's so exciting. Number one with a bullet is the Bullet Club right now, in the fans of uh, or in the eyes of many many WWE fans, uh, I think that they have made their presence felt in a very very real way so far. And I just I just pray that maybe one day. Maybe just for a few moments, we could get Sex Ferguson on WWE television. Sure. Or if not, or if not on WWE television, maybe he could come and talk some soccer with us one day. Hey, that I'm sure Sex Ferguson knows all about the soccer. He's very well spoken and very worldly in his knowledge. Um, and we hope we have been very worldly in our knowledge here on the A Foreign Affair podcast brought to you by NGSC Sports, NGCSports.com, where we never stop. However, this podcast is about to. Uh, but we'd like to thank you so much for joining us here this week. We'll have plenty to talk next week on the podcast. Uh, FA Cup this weekend, um, Premier League action this weekend. And uh, next week, of course, is the Champions League first legs of the semifinals and then we'll do maybe another quick preview of Europa League semifinals I'm sure plenty more news and notes to come as well as well as another big story of the week the NFL has been getting off easy lately Uh, don't like that they've got the draft next week so maybe we can break down the draft (laughs) (laughs) that's good funny man funny man Uh, that is my call Wes Bradshaw what are what's your call name on Twitter you can find me at Wes Bradshaw 21 the drive to 300 followers continues 
I am at Edward Green. The drive to whatever next round number I'm at continues as well. Collectively, we are at AFA Pod. You can also find us on other social media via our sister show, the all-new sports show that's on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also email us allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Finally, mail us, mail us, mail us letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. I want to give and one. Folks, that's a really good place to get rid of all those old Andrew Jackson $20 bills that obviously you're not going to want to use. Just send them on to us and we'll make sure that they're disposed of properly. You might as well get rid of them now, and you know the next ones will be in circulation before you know it, and then these will be worthless. So just go ahead, just go ahead and beat the rush. Send us those old Andrew mm-hmm. Jacksons. We will make sure that they end up in the right place. Yep. So uh, we want to give one more shout out to uh, all our other podcast providers, including Podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, the uh, iHeart Radio, the TuneIn Radio app, and many many more uh maybe soon one day google play as well maybe if they get back to me on that um so wes anything else to add before we get out of here tonight uh, well high school baseball season quickly coming to an end we've uh, we've had some fun baseball games this year yeah, thank you, um major major league baseball really you know starting to hit their groove a little bit uh the red Sox are looking pretty good this year at green just uh I've still got a few pitching questions, but um, overall, I think I think we're going to have a pretty good season in the hub. Well, and uh, you talked about that uh, injury bug hitting back on Liverpool. It, it may have migrated mm-hmm. to the uh, to the greater northeast here. Uh, Bogarts left the game tonight with a, a tight hammy. So a day after uh, Joe Kelly left to start in the first inning. Yay! But hey, there's Sandoval out there to break belts. Well, he's he's on the DL too. So, no one misses him. Not a one person. Not even my calling crime, Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. We will see you next week. Enjoy the Premier League this weekend and the semifinals of the Champions League next week. Good night, everyone. Good night, Shakhtar. Shakhtar, she's trying to try to shock the world again. By the way, uh, speaking of the Red Sox, just coming sort of tangentially, just coming through on the uh, thing here, um, Kurt Schilling got fired from ESPN, so that's done. Yeah. Did you hear about, had you heard about that already? Oh, yeah. Well, I had heard what he did. I didn't see what he wrote, but with Kurt Schilling, who love Kurt Schilling as a player, Kurt Schilling off the field. Mm. You know, Kurt's Kurt's Kurt. He, yeah. He's very opinionated. We'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. That's hey. I'm sure he will fit in very well at Fox Sports One. Yeah, I'm sure he'll end up. But you know, Kurt. Uh, Kurt has very strong feelings on social matters, and where I'm personally am one to kind of okay. I'll, I'll believe what I want to believe. You believe what you want to believe. That's not exactly the Kurt way. Yeah, you're 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 a little more socially liberal. He um isn't. I try. I try. You try. You try super hard, except when uh, it comes to money, I guess. Well, that's right. I'm a social conservative or a uh, fiscal conservative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, no, I'll tell you, man. You know, I'm, I have my issues with the bathroom deal of the law, but overall, what, what was it? HB two was that the name yeah. of the mm-hmm. deal? If you look past the 
bathroom part of it. They've really screwed over a lot of people with that music. Yeah. And, and that's what that's what's really got unfortunately that's what's been really swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. Because all anybody wants to talk about is You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop. 